host, Annie Randall, and this is a safe space for real talk regarding all things Jesus, mental health, and of course, your relationship with food. Welcome back to the Enneagram in Food series, where we are talking about the different ways in which personality can affect your relationship with food. In addition, because we are talking with real life guests, we are also talking about some of the many other factors that affect our relationships with food. And with us today, we have my sister-in-law, Denise Randall. I feel like I say have said this on every episode so far, but I'm excited for today's interview. Denise is an Enneagram type four, with a whole lot of style. Denise is a hairstylist and makeup artist. She is queen of the crafts and she has the biggest heart. Denise's personality is as bold as her style and she is truly one of a kind. I'm so thankful for Denise and the ways in which she has welcomed me into the family since the first time that Adam brought me home to meet everyone. Basically, today is going to be an exciting episode. I find Enneagram 4s to be extremely interesting people and Denise has a a lot of really great things to share. But before we get started, are there anything, is there anything you'd like to say to the listeners, Denise? I just wanted to say hi, and I'm really excited to be on this podcast. And I also wanted to say that I am really blessed to have you as part of our family. Oh, you're so kind. I feel like I'm the blessed one, but <laughs> you're very kind and we're, and I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. Cool. So we'll go ahead and get started then. Like I already said, Denise is an Enneagram type four. Enneagram type fours are known by a multitude of names, including the individualist, the romantic, and the creative. Enneagram type fours are also described as creative and expressive in their behaviors. The core desire of a type four is to find themselves and find their significance. In other words, the core desire is to create an identity. And the core fear is that they have no identity identity or no personal significance. With that said, would um, you would be able to describe your experiences as a type four much better than I could describe all these theoretical aspects of the type four, Denise. So we won't get into the relationship with food piece yet, but how would you describe your experiences with just living in this world as a type four? I honestly could not describe it any better than (laughs) you just did. Um, I'm very creative. I love to just create things in general, make things beautiful. You know, it's my personal belief that, you know, happy people are beautiful people and beautiful people are happy people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a craft queen, right? And so a lot of what I do is in building creativity and I sort of, in many ways, find that as my purpose is to help create a more beautiful world one head at a time. Yes, yes. And you do a great job at that. If anybody saw my wedding photos, Denise was the hair and makeup stylist there. And she's the one who made me feel beautiful on that day. Uh, And all of the crafts she's always making for everyone is just amazing. It's always impressive to see what you can make. I do have to say, Annie, I didn't work that hard to make you beautiful. You were beautiful inside and out, and it shows very much. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) Well, but still, you did a great job. And if anybody is in the Seattle area, definitely look up Denise. She has her uh, own business in 
Seattle. Um, I'll probably link you in this episode, your Instagram or some way that people can find you. So anybody that's in that area can look you up. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Of course. Cool. So the next question, we will hop into the relationship with food. So how would you describe your current relationship with food in what and in what ways have the characteristics of your personality type influenced your relationship with food? I am a foodie. (laughs) Definitely. I love food. Um, It took a lot for me to get to the point where I knew I loved food. Um, I love food with different flavors. I love bold flavor, just like my bold personality, right? I love bold flavors in my food. Um, I tend to shy away from trying new things, but I've recently become more open to trying new foods. And once you get me started on something, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Game over then. (laughs) Yeah. And I love everything from picking fresh vegetables at the grocery store to the act of cooking and feeding people to eating the food itself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In this past year at Thanksgiving, we made so much food (laughs) and you were so happy. I feel like you made probably 75% of the food that was there. It was like, really, you made all the food. We brought a couple of things, but it was also, I remember you were making the table setting all beautiful and everything like looking right. You had the video camera going and videotaping everything and just making the whole experience. Yeah, I love, like I said, I love every single part. I love to host. I, when I cook, I cook a feast. I don't know if Adam's ever told you a story about his birthday, but one year I sure enough had all 12 boys from the North Star house at my apartment (laughs) and I made him homemade enchiladas with homemade sauce and everything and it was great. (laughs) That's awesome. That sounds amazing. That was probably the best food that they ate like all year. (laughs) House of 12 guys. That's a lot of people to have over, but I'm sure it was amazing. It was definitely. I love cooking for um, the people that I love. I love Mm -hmm. to express, you know, my gratitude for my family um, Mm -hmm. through the food that I make. Yeah. Yeah. And your love language is gift giving, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like food can be a form of a gift and a form of that expression of love for others. Yes, definitely is. Definitely is. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but that's definitely one of the things that I do with our family is I love Mm -hmm. to cook for everyone on their birthdays. And, you know, it just makes me happy and it makes me happy to see people eating and enjoying the food. And that's my biggest thing is I'm like, do you like it? Yeah, I hope they like it. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they all like it. But that's awesome. I love that. And food just has such a unique way of and I talked about it on many of episodes of this podcast, but a unique way of nourishing us at a soul level and really being that expression of love, like food is the center of so many things we do in life, so many cultural and community type events. And it really is that, that uniting factor that can happen in groups. Yes, totally, totally. For me growing up, you know, I am Hispanic. My parents were both immigrants from El Salvador and Mexico. And so for us, I, we had parties at least once a week and at least we saw it as parties, but really what it was, was a gathering of family and friends and everyone brought a different type of food. So it was always a feast, 
always lots of laughter, lots of fun, and, you know, just enjoying everyone's company Mm -hmm. and sharing meals together. Yeah. That's so awesome. And this actually goes in line with the next question on the initial survey that you had sent, you described how you had different waves in your relationship with food. And you talked a little bit about this, about the importance of food in your culture and your family. So can you spend a little bit more time talking about the ways in which food is experienced in your family and culture, and then how those things have impacted your relationship with food? Oh yeah, totally. Just like when you come to my house for dinner, there's you know, all kinds of food laid out. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's always a feast. It's very similar when you go home to my mom's house. Um, I honestly was really happy when I started to bring Andrew home to my family's house because my mom would sit me at the kitchen and I couldn't leave (laughs) because they're constantly feeding you. And Mm -hmm. in our culture, um, it's kind of looked down upon to deny somebody their food. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if someone offers you food, you typically take it. And so many times Andrew will tell you that when he visits my parents, he's basically in the kitchen at the table the entire time. Oh no. <laughs> Everybody just keeps trying to feed him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. It's we gain weight every time we go to California every yeah. single time without failing. <laughs> <laughs> so much delicious food and so much yes. family time. And that sounds like a really fun time as yeah. I feel like family and culture and all these things really play such a huge role in the way that then we experience food on our own. Like even now your family's down in California and you've moved up to Seattle. So there is that distance, but you've brought that culture and brought that experience of food with your family into the experience with food in your family up in Seattle with the Randalls. And there's definitely that bleeds in. I know even my experiences with you at some of our events, you'll be like, oh, here, you have to try this and like giving food. And so that that experience that you've had with food has carried over into the rest of your life as well. Yes, definitely. It definitely has. Um, You know, that was just my upbringing. Food was always a big, important part. Um, You know, family dinners every Mm -hmm. single night, no Mm -hmm. TV. You weren't allowed to, you know, once we got to the age where cell phones were a thing, right? Because I grew up in the 90s. Um, And so once that became a thing, you know, we have a strict no phone at the dinner table rule. Mm -hmm. And the whole, every night at dinner, it was just about eating together and spending that time together. So a lot of my family's gatherings are around the table. And I like that our family is very similar as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. And I love the idea of like the no food or no phones at the table. So that way everybody is fully present and not distracted by these other things and are able to experience that time around the table with one another. Yes, definitely. Um, it's, it's really interesting, right? How different families eat differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and especially in this day and age where everybody has a phone addiction, so (laughs) like (laughs) getting people off of their phones is a little more difficult than it used to be, but it's good for us. We need to not be attached to a screen 24 seven and actually experience that time with our families and our friends. Uh, Cool. So the intent of this episode is to talk about the ways in which personality influences our relationship with food. However, we're complicated and multifaceted beings. So 
what influences us goes far beyond just our personality. There's a multitude of factors that can influence the ways in which we experience food and experience our bodies. I know that you were in the military and you and I have talked about your experiences with the military and dieting. So can you explain that experience and explain how the strict weight slash diet standards of the military impacted you? Um, yeah, totally. The strict weight and height standards that I experienced in the military impacted me in a lot of ways. Um, in particular, it drove me to hate food. Mm-hmm. Um, I hated the thought of eating. Um, I hated the fact that I needed to eat in order to be nourished because I felt a lot of pressure from the very beginning of my career in the military. I felt like I was never good enough because Mm -hmm. I was always a little bit of a bigger girl, even when I was at the smallest, um, at the lowest weight I have ever been in my life and in the best shape I had ever been in my life, I was still considered to not be um, within those standards. Or even when I was within the standards, I was still considered a fat marine. Um, And that became hard because you're constantly trying to meet these standards And the things that I put my body through in order to make these standards um, were honestly quite ridiculous. There was, you know, everything from taking magnesium citrate and working out in a plastic bag for 24 hours a day and sweating everything off to make a number. Um, And so for a long time, it made me feel like if I just met this weight, I would be okay. Um, And it made me hate myself. A bit. Um, It made me hate my body, the way I looked. And I had to learn how to recover from that, honestly. And, you know, luckily for me, I joined the beauty industry right after I got out of the military, Mm -hmm. where not only my personality, but my look was very much embraced. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to grow and learn to love myself. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 That's such a damaging experience to have where you're never enough in where, because I know you talked about a lot of the times with food of just the insane pressures and being told like, you shouldn't be eating that, or you should stop eating so that you hit this weight. And what you just explained with the plastic bag and all of that, it's like that affects us on a very deep level of not feeling like we're ever enough. And then that affects the way we experience food. And that had to have been so hard when you coming from a background where food was celebrated and food was experienced in such this, um, beautiful way, really as a kid growing up. And then you go into the military and like you said, it made you hate food and make, made you hate your body. And when you're using food or exercise as a force, as a form of punishment, that really damages like your relationship with food and exercise, because why would you want to exercise if it's this form of punishment? But I'm so glad that you got to a place where the beauty industry was accepting of who you were and you were able to heal some of that. Yeah, totally. Um, I am so grateful for it. I am so grateful that, you know, I can sit down and have a meal. It was honestly like night and day. Mm-hmm. If you were to see meet Denise 10 years ago um, and know Denise today, 10 years ago, Denise was working out two and a half hours a day um, mm. and she was only eating salads. Mm. I, you know, I would deny my things like ice cream. The best. Um, exactly. <laughs> Who does that? We had a, 
we had a chow hall in Afghanistan actually that had ice cream. And Mm -hmm. for the nine months that I was deployed, I avoided that chow hall to not Mm -hmm. even see the ice cream. And finally, I want to say the last day I was there, um, Andrew, my amazing husband, finally convinced me. He said, come on, Ravis, you haven't had ice cream in nine months. You're getting it. (laughs) That's awesome. Good for Andrew. (laughs) The Randall boys, they love their ice cream. So (laughs) he wasn't letting me get away with that. (laughs) They sure do. (laughs) Yeah. But that had to be exhausting, honestly, to be working out two and a half hours a day and only eating salads. It's like food is our, is fuel, it's energy. And that is not enough energy to sustain that. And so not only is that mentally exhausting to be constantly like worried about your weight or worried about food or trying to be enough, it's also physically exhausting to not be giving yourself enough fuel and working out at that intensive a level. I mean, you're, you're, you know, out there trying to save, save the world essentially on no food. And that's a really hard thing to do. Oh, totally. I had a terrible mood. Mm-hmm. Um, I had restricted myself to, it started at 500 calories a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually I, once I started to, um, not be able to get up from the couch or my bed really, because I didn't have a couch out there, Mm-hmm. Um, I would start to feel lightheaded and busy mm-hmm. and I would feel like I was going to faint. So I definitely felt the physical effects of it. Yeah. Uh, my moods were heavily affected. I was probably not the nicest person. Yeah. I was terribly angry all the time, extremely irritable mm-hmm. and always, always hungry. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we're irritable when we're hungry, especially on that low of a level. It's like, we're just trying to survive at that point. If you're only eating 500 calories a day while exercising a ton and being a Marine, like, of course you're going to be irritable because your body is just trying to survive that. And is so exhausted. And it's like, once you start eating, you're like, Hey, I'm actually a really nice person. Like I'm not as mean as I thought I was like, I've like heard that and even have that experience in my own relationship with food. Like I was really mean when I had my eating disorder and it's like, you have to kind of go back and like apologize for some of the ways that you had behaved. And then like, I'm sorry, I was just really hungry. Like I didn't mean anything I said. Yes. You know, I definitely believe that hangriness is an emotion (laughs) (laughs) and healing. And I have had to learn how to tell my husband, I am going to be hangry in about five minutes if I do not eat something. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and it switches real fast. At least it does for me. It's like, I'm about 20 minutes away from being hangry. It's like, we better get food soon or five minutes away. It's like normal. And then a flip switches and then it's hangry mode. (laughs) Yes. Yes. In fact, one of my favorite moments with you was the day before your wedding. Um, when our lunch finally came and Uh I remember you seeing you take a bite of food. And the first thing you did was just start to do a little happy dance. (laughs) And I related with you on so many different levels at that point, because I am the exact same way. And I could have only imagined that you were about as hungry as I was. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was so hungry on that day, but that's so funny. I don't remember doing the happy dance, but I do that all the time when I eat. Adam says that I always do the food dance. Like when I eat, (laughs) 
So I don't doubt it for a second. It was just automatic though. <laughs> oh yes. I used to get in trouble for that at the dinner table growing up. My dad would tell me, are you dancing or are you eating? <laughs> Doing both. <laughs> both. I'm multitasking. It's fine. <laughs> Awesome. So you're an extremely creative person from making Christmas ornaments uh, and custom cards to styling hair and doing makeup. You really have a knack for making things beautiful. So can you think of a time in your life when you use food to express yourself in your creativity? Yes. Um, any birthday party that we have, honestly, um, I love to make things from scratch. One thing you'll notice if you come over to my house for a meal. Um, I definitely go out of my way. I go and I find the best possible fruits and veggies or meats um, that I can find to feed my people. Uh, one of my favorite times was actually during a time of grief. Um, one of the things I do best is a lasagna sauce. Mm. I take a lot of pride in my lasagna sauce because I slow cook it Ooh. for a, a couple of hours. And um, I will let it sit overnight and then I make my lasagna later. And so a few years ago, we lost my brother-in-law and it was very important to me to feed my family this lasagna that they hadn't tasted before. Andrew loves it. The recipe is tailored for him, right? And the first time I tried, I burned my sauce oh, no. and I cried and I threw a fit and my nephew, um, he came and he consoled me. This kid mm -hmm. just lost his dad. And he came and consoled me and I kind of snapped at him and I had to turn around and tell him, you know, I just really wanted to feed you all. And, you know, it was really important for me to feed my family. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to express to them how much I loved them by showing them this great thing that I do, this lasagna that yeah. I spend hours cooking and it always comes out perfect. And of course, in my time of need was when it came out you know, not so great. And so I remember my dad went out of his way to make sure he went and he bought all the ingredients so that I could make my lasagna the next day, because he said, there's no way Denise is leaving without making her lasagna. <laughs> She's going to stay here forever if we don't do this. Yes. yes. And um, my brother tends to be uh, a little bit of more of a hermit. Um, and so I remember when he ate his lasagna, he later texted me and said, Denise, your lasagna was fire. It's the best thing I've ever eaten. And that to me just was everything. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And it kind of goes back to what you're talking about, about like food being the way you express love. And in that moment, your family was going through this really hard time. And like you said, it was very important for you to feed your family. And so how disappointing that was to to burn it and be like, oh no, I messed this up. But that's so kind of your, your father, right? It was your dad who to buy you the ingredients and to allow you to do that again for everyone. And then it's even better when it's a success and everybody loves it. Yes. Yes. Everyone was like, why is she so mad about a lasagna? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but it, it's more than the lasagna. It's like, what I wanted the lasagna to show you means. what I could do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you wanted to make this amazing dish, the thing that you do best for your family in a time of need. So it's like the lasagna is part of it, but it was like a lot more than that, which is why you were upset. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I always say that my secret ingredient is love. And so there's really no secrets in anything that I cook other than I put my heart and soul in everything that I make. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's, you know, really the secret to making anything taste good. So <laughs> that's really awesome. Um, cool. So what are the roles of comfort, stress, or other emotions in your eating patterns? Are there specific foods that are involved when you eat for comfort and stress? And what does that all look like for you? When I am stressed, I tend to not eat. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. It is something that I will kind of back burner when I'm feeling really stressed out. I will tell myself I have all these other things that I need to do. I just mm-hmm. don't have time to eat. Right. And so a lot of times I will avoid it when I'm really, really stressed, but for comfort, I mean, chocolate and ice cream are my ultimate comfort foods mm-hmm. or something as simple as like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich sometimes, honestly. And I find that, you know, when I'm happy, I'm very good about my eating. You'll notice I eat more when I'm in a good mood. Mm-hmm. I have more of an appetite versus when I'm more stressed out or I'm frustrated or I'm feeling emotional and angry. I tend mm-hmm. to have a decreased appetite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And people can really go both ways on that. It's like, there's two sides of the spectrum. There's people who, when they get stressed or are going through a hard time, it's like wanting to eat everything in sight. And there's biological reason behind that. And I talk about that on one of the other episodes. And then there's the other end of the spectrum, like you're explaining here, where your appetite gets suppressed and you're not as hungry when you're under stress or anxious or in a bad mood. And there's also biological reasons for that as well. If we think about the fight or flight response, like our body has this stress response. And if we were trying to run from a saber tooth tiger, like the last thing we would want is to eat lunch. Like we're trying to get away. Blood flow goes away from your digestive tract and it goes into your limbs and it goes into like your major organs, like your heart and the things that you would need in a time of stress. And well, you know, we're usually not facing running from a saber tooth tiger. And so really that response isn't as helpful in those moments. It makes sense as why, as to why your appetite gets suppressed in those moments. And then it's like eating becomes more of an act of self-care because you have to force yourself to do it because you know that like your body needs food, even though you don't feel like your body needs food. Yes, totally. I would definitely say like wedding planning for me was rough. I was spent many a nights up late crafting mm-hmm. and Andrew would cook for me. He would bring me food and oftentimes he would have to force me to take a couple bites. It was mm. usually cold by the time yeah. I got to it. And, um, you know, that's one of the more recent times I've found in stress, but this, you know, my job daily life, I'm a mm. snacker. And so I've had to learn throughout the past that I always keep snacks in my purse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never know. You never know when that purse muffin will save your life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. I remember you talking about the purse muffin. Actually, yes, we talked I, about that a while ago. <laughs> it's important to have a purse <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you always gotta have snacks on hand, especially because we don't want the hangry coming out. You know, if you got the five minutes to find food, it's best to just have the food on you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, So you have clearly been on your own journey with food. And I'm so happy to hear that you've learned to love both yourself and food and to repair that relationship. So what behavior changes, mindset shifts, or tools have helped you to improve your relationship with food and your body? 
Um, some things that helped me, you know, honestly, more recently, a lot of the things that you post, I feel like every single time I see something that you've posted online, it's something that I needed to hear. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. How come I never thought of that? But a lot of it for me was learning that self-love, learning to meditate um, and learning to accept myself. Um, you know, I give my husband a lot of credit because I was very broken when I met him in many different ways. And just his love and his acceptance had really helped me learn how to love myself. Mm. And just, it's interesting because when you work with people and your job is to make people feel good about themselves, Mm -hmm. um, in many ways that makes me feel good about myself. I am so passionate about what I do because I think for the longest time I had so many issues with the way that I looked and um, it really just came out in so many different ways. And so having the power and the opportunity to help people feel good about themselves in turn helped me learn how to feel about myself. And once I pretty much got out of the barracks and I got a real kitchen, I started to cook more for people. Mm -hmm. Um, When I lived by myself in beauty school, I would often cook for 10 and it was just me. (laughs) So I would bring food the next day and whoever needed lunch, I was like, don't worry, I brought something for you. And so learning to love the act of cooking, because Mm -hmm. that's the other thing. I was always very, very feminist. And growing up, my mother would tell me, Denise, you need to learn how to cook. You're going to have to learn how to cook because you'll be married one day and you need to feed your husband. And I would tell her, no, mom, I'm going to be a career woman. I will have a job. I can marry a man who will cook for me. And she (laughs) would laugh at me and tell me, well, that's just not going to happen. And I actually learned how to cook when Andrew and I moved in together. Okay. And the more I learned, the more I enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. And learning how to cook and cook good food and food that is good for you too, really helped me improve my relationship with food. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Like being involved in the act of cooking can really help us feel connected to our food because cooking is a full like body experience. We experience food with all five of our senses in those moments. I mean, you're chopping food, you hear it, you smell it, you can taste it, you can feel it. Like it's a full body experience. And by learning how to cook and being connected to your food, it helped to repair that relationship with food where it was this thing that you hated in the past or this thing that you thought was going to make you not enough because that's the messaging that you were getting when you were in the military. Yes, definitely. And I think one of the things, you know, particularly with the military is that, you know, maybe it's not on purpose, but there's a lot of promotion of being not just fit, but Mm -hmm. always fitting this Mm -hmm. certain look that they wanted you to have. Um, And so in many ways, I, always questioned my belonging there. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I did it. I'm, I'm not saying I you know, regret doing it. I'm really glad I did it because I was mm-hmm. able to learn a lot about myself. Um, and I think that's definitely one of the things going through that. I'm one of those people that always learns the hard way, right? And so going through the tough times has allowed me to see beautiful moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And that's a really great way to look at it. It's like, okay, it wasn't maybe an all 100% good experience, but there was good in it. And there was things that you could learn. But that's so hard to not feel like you belonged. And going back to one of the first things you said for this question is experiencing kind of that unconditional love and acceptance by Andrew really helped you to love yourself. Because when we feel like other people don't love us for who we are and that we don't fit in or something's wrong with us, it's really hard to then love yourself and to see yourself as good enough. But when you have somebody who's able to show you that love and show you that kind of unconditional acceptance, it kind of gives you the freedom to be like, Hey, maybe like, I don't have to fit this mold that really is unrealistic because bodies are supposed to be different. Like diversity is intentional and diversity is beautiful. And it's like, when you have the opportunity to actually embrace that, that's when that transformation starts to happen. Yes, totally. I completely agree. I think it definitely makes a difference to feel that love and to have that acceptance from people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's one of the things I love about the Randalls. Yep, they're great. (laughs) They are. We're we're super blessed to have a really awesome family. Yeah, we are. This this episode is really just hyping up the Randalls. Like, that's that's this episode. (laughs) Everyone meet the Randalls. We have another brother-in-law. There's another one. Still have a chance. Awesome. Um, Was there anything else you would like to add, Denise, uh, to either that question or just the whole episode overall? Um, You know, I don't have much else other than thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to me. And you know, I hope that listening to somebody with such an interesting wave of a relationship with food, anybody who feels like they're not good enough, or they need to fit in a mold. um, I hope I can inspire them to love themselves too, and to love food and their relationship with food. Because once you learn to love food, it's amazing. You know, there's I remember the first time I sat in a bar, it was recently, and Mm -hmm. I just ordered food and I sat there by myself and ate and I realized I am 31 years old and I have never sat in a restaurant and ate by myself Mm. and that simple little moment was so empowering that's awesome that's really awesome. That is such an empowering moment where you're just able to order food, be confident on your own and really just relish in that moment of freedom. Yes. There's nothing like food freedom. There's nothing like it. There's really no other word to explain it than freedom. Like that's kind of the thing that keeps coming up on all the episodes we've recorded so far. It's just like, it's hard to explain, but when you experience it, it is amazing. And it makes you so thankful for getting to that point. It like makes all those hard times worth it because now you're in this point of freedom. Yes, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Denise. This has been so much fun. I do have one quick question. This is a question that I'm asking every single one of my interviewees on this season, just because I think it'll be fun to see what the differences are between personalities and we all like food. So what is your favorite food? My favorite food, although many people will tell you is ice cream. um, My favorite food is actually pozole. 
I have no idea what that is. <laughs> you know, that's funny because Andrew told me you might, <laughs> I might need to explain it. Um, it is a pork and hominy soup. Um, okay. It's a holiday tradition in my family and my mm -hmm. culture. Um, we have it every year on Christmas was always mm -hmm. pozole. Of course, my favorite holiday and my favorite food. <laughs> um, awesome. And it's absolutely amazing. That sounds amazing. You'll have to make it sometime next Christmas. Oh, I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Denise. I think this episode is going to be very helpful to so many people. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. And we will catch you on the next episode.